This is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 Update Podcast. This is part of an ongoing series featuring critical insights from the physicians and healthcare professionals on the front lines of the pandemic. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 Update video and podcast. Today, we're joined by Dr. Bernie Fernandez, the CEO of Baptist Health Medical Group, and Bill Ulbricht, the Chief Operating and Administrative Officer for the Clinical Enterprise Division of Baptist Health South Florida. Both are calling in from Coral Gables, Florida, to share how they've navigated the resurgence of COVID cases that has hit their state. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Uh, Well, thanks to both of you for being here today. We've heard a lot about the struggles in Florida. At one point, nearly 20% of all new cases in the U.S. were occurring in Florida. And though it's not as bad as it was in mid-August when you were uh, reaching record highs of nearly 20,000 daily cases, Florida's still had among the highest number of COVID cases, hospitalizations, and deaths in the U.S. for quite a while. Um, Let's start, Dr. Fernandez, by talking about what it's like in your hospitals right now. Well, Todd, we're, uh, thank you, first of all, for, for having us. And uh, on, on behalf of all the healthcare workers and frontline heroes, uh, let me thank you for the opportunity to speak on behalf of the great work that they have done. I can tell you that we are beginning to breathe a little bit easier uh, now that we're seeing the decline in the cases. But as you mentioned very clearly, Uh, It was really challenging at the peak of this in uh, in, in late July and early August. We had uh, just about uh, under a thousand cases and young people coming in. It was really stressful. The system was being stressed, particularly at a time with also staffing is uh, under critical shortage. So we survived it because the team came together and we're, we're so proud of the great work that they've done. Well, it's good to hear uh, that uh, some positive news coming out of Florida and uh, that we've hopefully reached the peak and are uh, seeing a decline in cases uh, in, the, in the coming weeks. Do you uh, expect uh, Florida to continue that trajectory, uh, Bill? It's interesting. Watching the uh, surge, this past surge leading out of the, the springtime, we didn't expect it to be as big as the, the surge that came forward. So I'd love to say we are on the right track. It's going the right directions. Projections are looking good. But there's always in the back of your mind that we didn't think July and August were going to be quite as steep as what we did face at that point in time. Dr. Fernandez, how has this surge that you're, you're kind of in right now differed um, from what you've seen previously? I think this surge was basically what, what, what I would refer to as the Delta surge. Uh, you've heard some use that this was also the surge of the unvaccinated, and I don't want to just single the vaccinated out, or the unvaccinated out uh, in, in, any, in any way of passion. But we did see a significant change clinically in the number of patients that we were experiencing from what we called the original variants to the Delta variant. We had many more sicker young people that we did not experience in the early phases of the pandemic that were coming in. We had expirations that were also of younger people. The youngest one, I believe, may have been around 23 with no underlying medical conditions or anything like that. 
and a great commonality of many of the cases and many of the explorations was the fact that they were not vaccinated. One observation that we also made is the number of pregnant moms that were getting in trouble with the, with the Delta variant. So th those in general, three very different populations of patients that we did not experience early on in the pandemic that now were clearly different. Has it made a difference? We're seeing you know, a lot of strong messaging coming out of the CDC for pregnant individuals. Is that helping? We are uh, partnering, in fact, with the AMA. There was, a, th there was an email this morning, again, uh, for the CDC calling for a pregnant and, uh, and moms who want to be get pregnant or breastfeeding that it's safe to get vaccinated. So we are continuing to amplify that message that uh, the AMA and the CDC continue to also broadcast amongst uh, our population. Those statistics are, are startling. So thank you for helping us spread the word. Um, though we have seen a lot of shortages uh, throughout this pandemic. I mean, go back a year and a half ago, it was uh, you know, so much about PPE, uh, then shortages in terms of ICU beds, ventilators and staff to innovate patients. You know, how did you prepare for uh, this latest surge and, you know, were you able to incorporate learnings from, you know, uh, previously into how to better respond? Your resource allocation and utilization is so important day to day as we move forward. Even on this last surge, it was the supply of uh, available oxygen. And you would think something as simple as that, which we never face, but with the treatments of the high flow oxygenation of these patients, we were running into issues where for transportation reasons, we couldn't get oxygen that we never ran out, we never were, but we did get to critical levels that we were very concerned about. So we had to learn what can we do to conserve oxygenation within all of our facilities and you know, truly making the respiratory therapists, the, the czars over the appropriate use of oxygen. You didn't just put everybody on oxygen anymore. You didn't you know, keep it running at two liters for, for, for whatever reason. So I think that was one of the big pieces. But I do think we learned early on and we were fortunate in our organization that our board, our leadership team said, let's build up a, a stockpile so that when we, when, not if, when we see these other surges or other things taking place, we're able to have those supplies to, to meet the needs of our caregivers. Because the last thing we want to do is to, we want to keep our patients safe, but we want to keep our, our providers you know, safe as well to deliver that incredible care. And we actually had a very low um, a, a COVID um, a positive rate of our employees taking care of patients. So that was a lot of great work by, by Dr. Manners and his team in Ockel to keep people safe. So we built up the stockpiles. We figured out new ways to do you know, gowning um, where we went from reusable gowns to or from usable gowns to reusable gowns would made a big difference in we actually found some savings along the way and the employees and the team members and the providers really like those gowns better than the disposable gowns so we've learned from that piece as well but i think it was you know number one you know building that stockpile up so that when we did have and we do have you know, the next surge or the next event that we're in better shape than what we would have historically been more of a just-in-time delivery because our delivery mechanisms are were very, very strong with all our suppliers that we never really had to keep these large warehouses 
with equipment, with services. And, and it goes to from, you know, in the heat of the pandemic, refrigerator truck availability in order to take care of expired patients to ventilators, to having access to enough dialysis machines because renal failure was one of the issues faced by these patients. So a lot of learning early on, pre-planning to try to get out in front of it, and then building those resources that we know where that par level is now when we start refilling versus um, letting it run down to where we used to. Medicine doesn't stand still, and at the AMA, neither do we. AMA members are physicians like you who are shaping the future of medicine. Become a member today and join the movement. Visit ama-assn.org slash movingmedicine. Well, obviously, uh, in addition to having to think about uh, that, and that is a, those are a lot of moving pieces. Um, obviously, uh, your healthcare teams are another uh, really important thing that we're uh, uh, constantly thinking about. You know, through this kind of latest wave, uh, where we have a lot of unvaccinated people, and you've got the Delta variant. You know, and seeing a lot uh, of, of deaths. Uh, you know, and the constant strain. It's, it's taken a toll on, on, on your healthcare teams. Dr. Fernandez, can you talk about you know, what you're doing right now uh, to support uh, your physicians and those healthcare teams through what has been just a, a tremendously challenging time? Uh, thank you for, for, for that question, because this has really brought to light the tremendous stress and mental health issues potential that could be underlying. And, and, you know, healthcare workers, we've always been taught to, you know, you, you've got to work through it. You've got to be tough. You've got to, quote unquote, you got to suck it up. And, you know, th that's absolutely not true. Learning to recognize, like Simone Biles, we've learned from the media, acknowledging that you're having some issues. It's important. Our teams were able to voice how they were being affected when during the day there were multiple more codes than there usually are during a regular working day, um, that they now have uh, potentially a young mom expire because of COVID or a young uh, fellow employee who also just passed away from COVID. All those things affect, never mind your own fear of getting sick enough and bring it to your families. So we did something that has been absolutely remarkable as an organization, Baptist Health, has recognized that we have made that one of the key focuses, uh, programs that, that we are developing now. For the first time, we've named our uh, chief uh, uh, clinician well-being officer, whose sole role with her and her team, Dr. Viamonte Ross, is to address the underlying and potential uh, mental health issues like stress and uh, depression, anxiety, but more important to bring those resources out to the places that are needed. We're encouraging leaders, we're encouraging individuals through courses, classes, rounding, uh, pastoral care is our wonderful partner to bring those resources to the floors where they need to be and making sure that employees feel free to raise their hand Look, I'm, I'm, I'm having a little bit of issues here. Can you help me out? And providing the folks that, that platform 
so that they don't feel there will be any stigma attached to it. So we're talking about it more, more freely amongst all of us as leaders. That alone has given the organization a, a wonderful lift. We've got a lot more work to do. This is not something that just comes with a pandemic. It exacerbated it clearly, but it's something that we need to continue uh, to concentrate on. You know, that's so important. Um, you know, I've had a chance to talk with uh, Corey and Jennifer Feist, whose sister and sister-in-law, uh, Dr. Lorna Breen, um, uh, died by suicide uh, in the early part of this pandemic. And what they've identified is, you know, there's just so many structural issues with physicians being able to speak up about uh, their mental health. And so, you know, what you're saying there in terms of making that safe to do that and providing them with the resources uh, to get through, you know, what is a very, very traumatic period is incredibly important. Um, Bill, you know, one other thing that's kind of complicating things, and I, and I hear the frustration from a lot of physicians is, you know, that collision of science and politics. And it's hard not to talk a little bit about, you know, what you've uh, been facing in the state of Florida, it kind of puts you in the middle. Um, how, how have you been navigating the political climate as a healthcare leader? Uh, and a voice of science in a time where there may be other voices in politics that are kind of in the other direction. So our belief within Baptist is we take care of our patients, we take care of our teams, we take care of our providers, we take care of our communities. And so politics aside, we are going through that process of following the science, doing the right and making the right decisions based on the, the input and the knowledge that we can gain, whether it's through CDC, whether it's through the other colleges and other um, organizations. We have uh, significant input from our physicians to help us make those decisions. So it's not administrators making decisions, it's very high level um, clinicians that step forward, sit down, talk about the science. Um, Dr. Mark Hauser is one of our leaders in this regard and uh, having him address the, the, the teams, address the physicians, address the organization, and bringing together the experts to come up to do the right thing based on the science has truly helped us stay out of the politics, stay out of above the fray, because where we end up is, is where we should be. And that's following the science to take care of our patients, which is truly what we exist for and what our, our mission and what our organization is all about. You took care of the nation. It's time for the nation to take care of you. The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. We're fixing prior authorization, leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, fighting scope creep, and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild, and the AMA is ready. To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. Um, I'm curious, Dr. Fernandez, you know, uh, a big part of why we do this show and uh, what we're doing at the AMA is really about trying to make physicians the loudest voice in the room. Um, how do you make sure that the voices of your physicians are heard and maybe even the face of, you know, a new Surgeon General in Florida that, um, you know, is not as supportive, for instance, of vaccine mandates and, uh, and proven treatments? Well, we, we, as Bill's already alluded to, we concentrate on listening to our own physicians, our own internal experts. We have a lot of debate, and ultimately what we do is we put the patient in the middle. 
And everything that we do, every decision that we make has to be based on what's best for that patient. And when those patients are under our care, if we believe that wearing a mask or getting vaccinated is the best thing for that patient, and we have seen the science around it, that's what we go for. We have a council of uh, uh, all the different uh, uh, chief medical officers for the hospital under Dr. Hauser's leadership, and we get together. We have pharmacy, we have all the scientists, epidemiologists, all providing the data for open discussion and debate. And out of that group comes what we internally believe is the best approach to deal with, with the pandemic. Again, our employee safety and our patient safety are paramount to us. And that's really how we let this guide us. Well, I'm curious. I mean, you have a lot to deal with. Uh, you've had multiple surges. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, dealing with misinformation, politics, uh, all of this. Uh, now that you've kind of gone through what you have, and as we start to look, hopefully, into uh, the months ahead, how do you, how do you take that learning uh, and think about what the next three, six months are, are going to look like? Dr. Fernandez, why don't you start? We're going to, we have learned a couple of really important lessons. The importance of, of open communication. No barriers to listening to our employees or our patients, following the data and the importance of teamwork. When you've got all those factors at play, we will ultimately make the right decisions. We've learned a lot through the years working with um, emergency preparedness and preparing for hurricanes, but this has been four hurricanes in a row and it has made our teams more resilient, uh, better gelled. We've worked together with other hospitals. Let me not leave them out. This has been something that we can take great pride in. We're talking about all the things that are wrong with the healthcare system and we can have a lot of debate, et cetera, about that. Locally in South Florida, the camaraderie, the collaboration, exchange of data, information, and what should we do between the different health systems has been absolutely phenomenal. and something that we need to very be very proud of. Bill, you've got any other? Yeah, I think it's it's been an interesting you know, 18 months. And as we've gone through this process, there's almost a start, stop, start, stop approach that we've had to take with things. So as we look to the future, and we think we're coming down off of one of the pandemics or one of the surges, or as we're going forward, we start working on some things and all of a sudden we slow back down. So it's kind of gonna be an interesting, uh, it, it's kind of like Zoom meetings. I don't think they're ever gonna get out of our lexicon and they're gonna be part of what we do, <laughs> but more appropriately utilized versus, you know, historically it was difficult to pull together a Zoom meeting. Now it's gonna be part of what we do. So I think we've learned a lot about how are we going to function in a different environment. We have yet to decide when do people come back to the offices? How many of those people come back to the offices? What is our workspace gonna look like? What is that culture gonna be? Can we maintain that level of teamwork, camaraderie, that, that cultural atmosphere that we feel is so important to do what we do in a different kind of environment? Now, surprisingly, looking back, you know, looking back to pre-pandemic, where even internally, we didn't necessarily you know, follow a system approach. I think with the pandemic, 
we have developed the ability to do more of that system approach for the right reason. And the right reason is how we take care of our patients, how we can deliver that care. So no matter where you come within our system, we now share a lot of that activity and a lot of that knowledge and a lot of that expertise that you know maybe will be a good thing as we look towards the future. But I think about you know new projects, new programs. We were talking about re remote patient monitoring today, which we've learned in the pandemic to go and use the Massimo pulse oximetry home monitoring saved us from overrunning our hospitals. That we're you know okay now we have another level of that. And so I think we're, we're, it's gonna be difficult, but I do believe that we're going to be much more nimble in how we approach some of the challenges we'll face in the future. Yeah, and I think that you know, what you're talking about sounds uh, familiar in terms of just all of those components that add up to you know, both organizational and uh, personal resilience in the face of what has just been an onslaught of shortages, surges, and natural disasters. So thank you, uh, uh, Bill and Dr. Fernandez for everything that you've been doing uh, to guide your healthcare teams uh, in Florida and for taking care of patients and keeping the focus on them. That's it for today's COVID-19 update. We'll be back with another segment shortly. In the meantime, for resources on COVID-19, visit ama-assn.org slash COVID-19. Make sure to subscribe to AMA's uh, podcasts at ama-assn.org slash podcast. Thank you. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.